And I think that's something that we need to start to see change in is behavioural change because people do a lot of talking about what they want to see and what they think is really good, but don't act upon those words that they say. And also to just be as a business as transparent as possible because that will often also show perhaps holes in your business plan and that's not a bad thing it just means it's something to improve upon. Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Hello and thanks for listening to episode 38. I'm recording this on Friday the 9th of October 2020. In this episode we talk to Zakir Kadji, a young entrepreneur in the UK who set up a not-for-profit scheme for young people to swap their fashionable clothes so they can experiment with different trends, colours, shapes and so on without being part of the throwaway culture and save money. We'll hear how Swap It Up is developing technology to engage users and to help overcome the challenges of distancing during lockdown, to reduce the risk of the virus spreading via the clothes and to track and analyse swapping trends. This week's been a bit fashion themed. Yesterday I joined podcasters Brooking Gatewood from the USA and Tara Stewart from Ireland on a podcast for the big reuse event in Ireland. We talked about lots of reuse opportunities including for clothing. There were other podcasts on fashion alterations, looking after your clothes and decoupage. I'll put the links to the event in the show notes for this episode. Today we're talking to our youngest guest so far, 17-year-old Zakia KG. Zakia is tackling the issue of fast fashion by encouraging teenagers across the country to swap their clothes and rethink the, the throwaway culture of today's fashion. Zakir is the founder of Swap It Up, a not-for-profit community interest company in the UK. The scheme sees students hand in unwanted items of clothing in exchange for tokens, which then form the Swap Store. Zakir's ultimate goal is to have 25 schools around the country running Swap It Up by 2021, then to broaden it to become a national and eventually international enterprise. Zakir, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to talk to you. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, Richard McCowan um, of Biomimicry UK, a bit earlier on today. And when I said I was interviewing you this evening, um, he um, was full of compliments about, about you and about Swap It Up. So your, uh, your reputation is spreading already. So before we get to how Swap It Up works, I'm curious to know about your why. What sparked your interest in this? How did did it start with fashion or did it start with reducing waste or what? It started mainly with fashion, actually. I originally had quite a big interest in fashion and style. 
um, and it's always really interested me. But then when I was around 14, 15, I then became more and more in love with the subject of geography and specifically around the environment and climate change. And then when the report was released saying that we had 12 years left to combat climate change before it's irreversible, I realised that, okay, I need to do something. At the same time, I was on holiday in Italy and I had been going to these markets where they were selling pre-loved clothes for only a couple of euros each. And I came back from that sort of experience thinking, okay, what there's something in this. What can I do around pre-loved clothes at home? And then I started just to do more research into fast fashion and into how there isn't actually that much of a market for my age group for pre-loved clothes because there's a lot of charity shops for older people but there's also charity shops for much younger children as well but there isn't really anything for my age group and so I thought I need to fill in that void and that's kind of where Swap It Up was born from. Brilliant so you spotted a, a gap in the market and I think you're right um, the charity shops can uh, supply uh, kind of pre-loved and vintage clothes for those two age groups but also the issue with charity shops is um, you know it's quite a small selection you'll you'll just be able to see what other people have donated in your um, in your area and because you know that might be um, uh, quite a large town it can it, it's not necessarily fashion items is it it's people things that people might have had in their wardrobe for 10 or 15 years and finally decided that they haven't worn this for the last five years so it's time to to clear it out so from what I can see on the website Swap It Up is much more about helping people experiment with fashion. So tell us a bit about how it how it works. How do people um, use Swap It Up? So before COVID-19, the process of uh, Swap It Up was that you would bring in your clothes to school during the swap to drop week, which is when you would bring in your clothes and you would get tokens in exchange for them. And you would get more tokens, for example, for a coat than you would for a T-shirt. Um, and so then the following week, you'll be able to then spend those tokens on other clothes in the swap store. So a classroom would be laid out like a shop and clothes would be laid out and you'll be able to go around, pick up the ones that you like. You can go try them on in the sort of like little changing facilities that are usually set up. And then you can swap your tokens for the clothes. So there's no transaction of cash it's only these tokens and we made sure that all the processes such as so the tokens are made out of biodegradable paper and the stickers are also biodegradable and so we made sure that every single process was and every single like item was in, as environmentally friendly as possible mm. and you um kind of set a few rules like saying something has to be clean before people donate it and all that kind of thing so that it becomes you know everybody everybody knows that the clothes are going to be pristine and ready to wear and so on yes so we do tell everyone that they should bring in the clothes washed however we do also advise people that when they take them home they should wash them before they wear them because we can't guarantee that they have been washed um and washing it twice isn't going to be too bad just make sure you do it on a full load because again that is the best thing for the environment yeah exactly well well said yeah there's there's quite a lot of focus now on 
um, how to care for your clothes without um, using lots of water and detergents and, and, and so on. Um, and how does, um, so Swap It Up, your organisation is helping schools around the country do this. Um, so if a school wants to sign up, what happens then? What, how do you support the school? So if the school signs up, at the moment we're kind of going into a new process of trying to be a bit more digital and a bit more online rather than being the physical um, swaps because of the fact that we need to be thinking about social distancing and there is also the trouble of uh, having classes mix and having year groups mixing in schools because a lot of them have been uh, bubbled so they're separate and so to overcome that we're thinking of developing an app which is going to allow for students to upload their clothes and also see other clothes that are being sold in the school and then to go in and collect them so school be used more as a drop-off and a click and collect sort of point rather than being the swap store that everything would be exchanged in and so one of the things that we're thinking now if schools want to sign up is that we're currently going to be doing a test phase of this app with two schools and then hopefully by the spring term we will have a final app that we can then tell schools about and that they can sign up to and create their accounts for them and for their students and it'll be very easy to sign up to it and can be quite flexible in terms of the school's needs as well and so they need to go over to our website to just sign up and say that they're interested in being one of the schools that takes on the project and then one of our team will be in touch with them and will guide them through the process and sign them up. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. So just like lots of other fashion businesses um, over the um, uh, the pandemic and lockdown, you've had to suddenly um, switch to being to be able to operate online. And I guess having an app gives you other possibilities like, um, you know, giving people reward points for being um, the person who swapped the most um, or gained the most points over a, a season and maybe even... Um, helping classes and schools, um, you know, compete with each other and having a league table for the school with the most most swaps all, all season. Yes, exactly. It's going to help us collect a lot more data in terms of how many clothes are being swapped and sort of also the footprint of that that is being saved. And so I reckon we will try and create competitions between schools and between classes to then also have prizes at the end so it'll also allow us to track how much carbon is sort of being saved from the atmosphere we can run sort of averages on what a t-shirt will be able to collect uh, and be able to save from the atmosphere um, as well as other measurements such as water usage as well and the more information that's therefore put on the app when someone uploads an item of clothing the more that we can then be as accurate as possible um, when creating and t submitting that data. Mm, that's good. And I think people get really motivated by seeing how much they've been able to do for the environment through their own actions. So being able to see over the course of the year that all the swaps you've done and all the clothes that you've donated has saved this many litres of water and this much um, energy. So, Zakir, over the, over the 
short time so far that you've been building this business, what kind of things have you struggled with and what surprised you in the process of setting up Swap It Up? One of the things that we've encountered is sort of behavioural change and people's lack of willingness to change their behaviours around um, consumption. And I've had a lot of people coming up to me and saying, oh, this sounds amazing, this is so great. We've done assemblies and they've just said they really want to get involved. But then I don't always see those same people turn up to the events. Um, And that is something I'd like people to keep in mind is that if you're going to congratulate someone on doing something and saying that doing a really good job sometimes you also need to go and show your active support and not just tell them that you support them um and I'm sure quite a few other um circular economy businesses feel the same thing where people are going oh that's such a cool idea but don't follow through on their actions with that as well and I think that's something that we need to start to see change in is behavioral change because people do a lot of talking about what they want to see and what they think is really good but don't act upon those words that they say Mm. yeah and I think maybe the um the app and being able to showcase some of the people who are really engaging can be a way of of um encouraging um, those who are perhaps you know maybe they're um, nervous because people might think well I'll, I'll bring this thing that I think is a really cool um, you know top or something like that and what if it sits there and <laughs> on sale for the rest of the year does that make me look like I'm not trendy because you know something I thought was cool nobody else wants um, and and sometimes it's just habits isn't it people forget and and you know that they meant to bring it today and then they forgot and then they're embarrassed but I think this kind of um, you know being able to um, almost gamify it and and um, give shout outs to the people who who are doing it and um, and use that in your social media can make it into a really cool thing I remember it early on in the um, podcast series um, we were talking to Izzy Erickson of Apparel Exchange up in Scotland. And so um, what they're doing is swapping uh, school uniforms. And one of the things that she was found, finding was that people were very happy to donate school uniforms in very good condition. But there was kind of a bit of a stigma around being the one to use the pre-used school uniforms. So I think, um, you know, that's starting to change as rental and subscription services and reuse platforms like Vestiaire and the Real Real and so on, they're getting really cool. Um, so it's just a bit of a mindset change, isn't it? And I think it's one of these things that once you get past the tipping point, um, then people really, really get into it. Yes, I think there is quite a bit of stigma around secondhand, which is why I like to use the phrase pre-loved more because it has more positive connotation to it. Um, and therefore going forward I think we should start to use that more pre-loved rather than secondhand because secondhand kind of reminds you of it being more of a hand-me-down from your older sibling which you don't have flexibility with style at that point because you're being subjected to your older sibling style your older cousin's style whereas when you then go and find pre-loved clothes in a swap or at a charity shop you get to still decide 
if you want it or not and if it matches your personal style you're not restricted in that sense and also when you find something that you really like and it fits you and you just feel great in it you kind of know you were meant to have it because it's a unique piece that is there that there aren't 10 or 20 or 30 of them also there in different sizes and that's something really magical about just swapping and going to charity shops for me is that you just know that what you've got you were meant to have and it just feels like destiny Mm. and in in doing that you've also saved a load of water and energy and and waste um so you've kind of got that story behind it as well haven't you and it and it's cost you an awful lot less than going to the stores to um to buy it exactly so it looks as if you're building quite a big support team at Swap It Up. So there's a social media team, community engagement and a volunteer advisory board. What kind of things are they doing to help you spread the word and get more schools involved? So the social media team are really, really good at just posting. We're getting posts out pretty much every day. And that is just growing sort of the support that we're getting from uh followers on we're mainly using instagram as that is our target audience we'll be mainly using that platform um but we are also on twitter and facebook and linkedin is really good from a professional perspective uh twitter is really good from the school's perspective because a lot of teachers and a lot of schools have twitter accounts and so it's quite nice to interact with them on that sort of uh basis um and then from a sort of community outreach side of things there's also people that are kind of working in fundraising and so that's great and just making sure we've got enough support behind us um making sure that we do have enough money to support us to then go out and reach out to schools and to then support the schools that we have um signed up to us to swap it up um And then we've got the volunteers, we've got the teen volunteers who are doing a bit of everything. They're doing social media if they want to be doing social media. They are creating um, some really fantastic art pieces and some great um, embroidery as well and some shoes that one of the volunteers has done as an example of a way that you can upcycle um, old shoes into something new and a bit more personal and then we've also got a team of those students who will be working on developing this app and then to take it out to schools and so they will be doing quite a bit of the school contacts and be making sure that we're emailing them and making sure that everything's running as smoothly as possible and they're having the adults sort of supporting them in a in a mentor in a mentoring capacity that's the word in a mentoring capacity um but we're trying to encourage as many uh teenagers and young people to get involved as possible because it really I really really want it to be a program that is led by young people and is for young people Mm. so you kind of need a a champion um you know uh somebody in in the school classes as a champion rather than it being um a a teacher wanting to bring this in exactly yeah we've got teachers who are there to support again 
uh, to make sure that you have access to the right rooms and you have access to assemblies and all these sorts of things um, and to sort of just get you as your headway into things. But a lot of the time there is a project lead at each school, which is a student member who will be sort of organising, telling people what they need to do um, and will try and do as much of the organising of the rooms and the assembly times and everything as possible. But they will um, consult the support teacher to make sure that if they have any troubles, then they can overcome those. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds like you've thought a lot about the um, the whole back office and organisation side of things. So um, I'm guessing the lockdown and, and most school children being homeschooled has been problematic. Um, and you're talking a bit about what, you, what you're able to do virtually. Um, are there any other things that you need to do differently around, um, you know, preventing virus contamination and so on on the clothes? Um, so one of the things that we're putting into place is that you would only bring in the clothes when someone has on the app said that they want to buy the clothes or swap for the clothes. Um, and so then you would be notified that someone has, wants your clothes and you would bring it in. Then you would wait a three day period before you can then go in and collect the clothes. And that's sort of a standard sanitary period in which it, the clothes can sit and the virus should no longer be there if there is any remnants of it um, when you pick it up. Uh, but again, we do say wash it before you bring it in and wash it when you take it home just to avoid anything and we don't want to be liable for anything. No, no, that sounds good. And um, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of um, science to say that um, on fabrics and paper and things like that, the virus only has a life of um, about 12 hours or so. Um, whereas on metal surfaces, it you know it can it can be a bit longer. Um, so brilliant. So um, in terms of um, thinking about the the circular economy and your interest in that who would you recommend as a future guest for the program to inspire people about the circular economy i'm going to nominate two uh sisters called amy and ella from they are the founders of kids against plastic um they are doing such a great work with just the campaign to do with reducing the amount of plastic and raising awareness and challenging companies on why they're using plastic on their products and that certain labels as to why it says recycled on it what exactly does this mean um and to sort of bring in to view a lot more into the public eye that companies can't just keep throwing around words such as sustainability and recycled without explaining fully what that means yeah that's that's really good and that reminds me of a um a quote i'd made a note of for for um a keynote i was doing on on uh fashion sustainability earlier today that i then forgot to use um which was um uh the founder of uh i think it's uh boyfriend jeans uh who was saying sustainability is like the wild west uh in other words there's just no rules <laughs> you know anybody can say anything uh, and kind of uh, claim that it's it's sustainable 
Um, There's a lot of greenwashing going around. Yeah, I agree. Um, far too much greenwashing. And um, yeah, let, let's hope those companies get called out and, and uh, live to regret the fact that they've um, tried to dress something up as, as, as being green, I think. Um, Eco Bamboo is my current favourite. Um, you know, growing bamboo is eco, but the process of turning it into a fabric definitely is not eco. So, yeah. Um, and what are your lessons learned um, and, and top tips for anybody wanting to go more circular in their lives or in their business? So I would say in terms of a business is to just think about everything. So think about the process of your business from the beginning of the production cycle to when it leaves you and then beyond that and just think where where could we then lose control of it because a lot of the time within the circular economy the idea is that it stays quite circular but what can happen is you can have drips of sort of linear economy coming out of it because people won't always send it back if that's how you want your circular economy business to work and people will throw things away and so you need to then think of okay so if someone does throw this away how is this okay okay we're going to make sure that it's made out of bioplastic instead of um fossil fuel uh chemical plastic um and that's just going to again it's not the best scenario but it's just thinking about all these things that could happen so i would just recommend that you just have a good think about all the processes in the production cycle but also to think about say in your office space are you on a green tariff and are you using led bulbs what other changes can you make not just to do with the product you're making but also within the business itself yeah that's a really good point and i think even if a business um is selling um services or it's a retail business and it can't really do anything about you know the, the the products it's reliant on the manufacturer to do something there are all sorts of other things that you can do with procurement like um, you know, trying to buy services yourself instead of taking ownership of things. And um, if you're buying things like office furniture and so on, um, can you buy remanufactured or can you insist that somebody has a take back clause in the contract so that when you've finished using something, they have to take it back. And that focuses um, people's mind differently, doesn't it? If you're if you're responsible for the product after it's left your door, then you make all sorts of different decisions on the materials, the design and so on. And also to just be as a business as transparent as possible, because that will often also show perhaps holes in your business plan, because you will realise, oh, okay, we aren't explaining that bit because of something. Okay, we need to change that. And that just allows you to have that transparency with your customer, but it also allows you to find holes in your business. And that's not a bad thing. It just means it's something to improve upon. Yeah, definitely. And Patagonia um, take that approach. So if they find something that, um, you know, they they don't like um, and they're embarrassed about, they don't keep quiet about it. They put it into the public arena and then say what they're planning to do about it. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, a couple of times I've been um, shocked to find that um, some offshore supplier had said they were doing one thing and was actually doing another. Um, and so rather than trying to sweep it under the carpet and hope nobody <laughs> finds out they've gone public with it, which is, um, you know, it builds trust in the brand, doesn't it? If they can be honest about the bad news, 
uh, and not just about the good stuff they're doing. So, Zakir, if people want to find out more about you and swap it up, how can they get in touch? So in terms of getting in touch with me, I am available on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, and they're all at Zakia Kaji. Uh, that's spelled Z-A-Q-I-Y-A-C-A-J-E-E. And then to find out more about Swap It Up and to follow us on our platforms, which is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn, that's uh, Swap It Up spelt S-W-O-P-I-T-U-P. Brilliant. That's great. And we'll put those links in the show notes at um, www.circuitreconomypodcast.com for anybody who wants to find out more. Zakia, thank you for um, taking us through all that and I wish you the best of luck with the beta phase of the app and uh, I hope you get the word out there and get more people stepping over that that threshold between thinking this is a good idea and actually getting involved and, and then obviously getting excited about it and getting excited about the difference that they're making and the fact that they're now part of the solution and not part of the problem. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me again. Sakia had spotted a clear gap in the market. There are already options for older people and young children to buy pre-loved clothes at charity shops, but there are few options for fashion conscious teenagers. I was also impressed by how Swap It Up is developing technology to overcome the challenges of physical distancing during the pandemic, with the potential to gamify, to engage people, to help track the environmental benefits and so on. I loved how passionate Zakir is about using the circular economy to engage youngsters into being part of the solution, not part of the problem. Towards the end, I used a quote about sustainability being like the Wild West from one of the guests on Katie Whalen's Getting in the Loop podcast. But I got the company name wrong. It was Jordan Nodash of Boyish Jeans in episode 32. Thanks for listening, and if you like the podcast, please tell others, and if you have time, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can find the podcast show notes with transcripts and links on rethinkglobal.info. Please let us know what you'd like us to feature on the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. You can get in touch via our website, rethinkglobal.info, or connect with me on LinkedIn. See you next time.